everyone. Welcome to The Boot. That's right. It's The Boot. We're recasting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to. This week, Kenna and I are in a dystopian future where emotion is... Illegal. Illegal. Are you a sense offender? We're talking about the 2002 action gun fu movie Equilibrium. You mean gun kata. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Starring Christian Bale, Tay Diggs, Angus McFadden, Emily Watson, and William Finkner. I had never seen this movie. Oh, me neither. And I was um, surprised. Pleasantly surprised? Pleasantly? Yeah. Pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly surprised. It's hard to believe. That a cleric of the Tetragrammaton could turn his back on everything that he's been taught. To become associated with the resistance. Even becoming a champion in its underground. I promised I would bring you that man. Take him to the Hall of Destruction for summary judgment and combustion. Wait, 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 wait! I can explain this. I'm sorry. I'm not feeling! He is the one who's feeling! This is a mistake! This movie is aggressive and action-packed and confusing because everyone wants to kill emotion, but everyone is showing so much emotion. Well, this premise is extremely hard to keep up because even in small ways, every like Tay Diggs is smiling a lot. The whole time. Everyone is showing emotion all the time. Which I'll Willy say- Willy-nilly. I, like, I watched a featurette of this- movie which i may have included no i don't think i included a clip of this and it's interesting because at one point the director is talking about how when he sort of conceived this movie he conceived it being about extremes the idea is killing extremes and so everybody is supposed to live in this sort of world where you're just not so angry or fearful that you're like murdering people, but that means that you also can't be extremely happy and joyous and experiencing things that bring you happiness mm-hmm. and joy. And so it's not that emotion doesn't exist, which again, I'm like, why didn't they just explain this in the movie? But it's not that emotion doesn't exist. It's just that you aren't allowed to experience it in the extremes that they think will destroy civilization. It's a strange way to get to a dystopia. Like, but you know, we'll get into it. Guys, this is the boot. A movie reboot podcast, and I'm Brian Flynn, along with my co-host, Kenna Trent. We're going to pick five characters from this movie and talk about a reboot as if this movie was to be remade today. But Hollywood is continuing to remake other movies, so we're going to talk a little bit about some reboot news right now. Do you guys want to hear about The Craft remake? Yeah. The Craft. We all remember the 1996 uh, horror culty witch movie the it's craft it's like a teen witch movie yeah starring robin tooney feruza balk nev campbell and rachel true uh as four los angeles high schoolers who spend their free time as amateur wishes a pastime that has disastrous consequences well according to hollywood reporter coming through for us again actress and indie filmmaker zoe lister jones has been tapped to write and direct a contemporary take on the craft. So, another example of a movie being remade into a movie, not adapted for TV, not TV into movie. This is a straight up reboot. This move is move for our, move. This is our fucking lane, Kenna. Yeah, which sucks because this was definitely on our list. And uh... yeah, Columbia Pictures and Jason Blum's Blumhouse will finance the movie. Uh, Blum will produce with Douglas Wick and Lucy Fisher's Red Wagon Entertainment. Um, this movie has been sort of in development in different iterations throughout the years, but it's now coming to us by sort of a new 
director, actress, director. There's no real details on what it's going to be. So let's imagine. What what do you think this new craft is? Do you think it's going to follow the same lines for young post-millennial teenagers learning the dark arts to get it, boys, to get oh. revenge? I drink of my sisters and I ask to love myself more and to allow myself to be loved more by others, especially Chris Hooker. <laughs> I know it's pathetic. I think it has to be the same. I think it still has to be like a group of high school girls. Um, their motivations, perhaps, evolving. Um, yeah. I think it depends on the tone the movie is going to take. Like, is it going to be an all-out remake? Or are they going to do so- – because Zoe Lister-Jones, I think, sort of has the capability of making this maybe a slightly, like, funnier – I sort of like mumblecore version, <laughs> maybe, uh, which yeah. I would watch. Yeah. I think that's interesting. But yeah, I think it's cool that like immediately, because within a week of each other, it was like, they're remaking the craft. And then Zoe Lister-Jones is attached, which is great, because I feel like immediately it's just like, don't worry, we're attaching this cool uh, female filmmaker to help craft this. I said craft. Craft. Mm. I used the I used the title to describe <laughs> part of it, so I have to stop. Um, yeah. If Zoe Lister Jones is listening, and I know she is, I just want to reiterate how important it is when you delve into the idea of magic in cinema. Make sure that there are fucking rules mm-hmm. to the magic. Yeah, guys, listen to the Willow podcast a couple episodes back. That's the only thing I'm asking about this. You could make yeah. this a straight up indie emo. Mm-hmm. non-action movie they basically could just be talking about what they want to do with their lives while learning magic as long as the magic has rules mm. i'm on board if it's like practical magic practical no no absolutely brian not. loves practical magic <laughs> okay um anything else i mean the whole reason the first one is 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 uh the original i'll say is so grounded is because feruza balk was a practicing witch and frequently sort of consulted hmm. on the movie. <laughs> so maybe she'll come back. Oh gosh, I don't know. Where is Feruza Ball? I don't know. Um okay, so moving on to <laughs> I don't know what we're gonna say about this. I've never seen Guys and Dolls, but they're taking the stage play, stage musical, Guys and Dolls, turning it into a movie which is so funny because this like av club article is like following the success of la la land and the greatest showman as if those are stunning examples of time-tested entertainment being brought to film and not original ideas um the interesting thing i saw on twitter was that so chris evans did a big interview with variety Hollywood Reporter? Hollywood Hollywood Reporter, Reporter, I think. And I think in that article, he mentions how he would love to do a musical um, because he did like West Side Story when he was in high school and he would just really enjoy, which I mean, it might have just been his plea because like Steven Spielberg won't take his calls or whatever. But he's just like, he just like really wants to do a musical. And so people on Twitter were like, put this man in Guys and Dolls. Mm. I don't know. Bad idea. I don't know anything about Guys and Dolls other than the Simpsons clip that I just played you before yeah. this, where Mark Hamill sings a song essentially about Star Wars because that's what people want to see Mark Hamill do. Oh gosh. Luke, be a Jedi tonight. Just be a Jedi tonight. Do it for Yoda while we serve our guest a soda. Uh, and do it for Chewie and the Ewoks. 
And all the other puppets. The 1990 film adaptation starring Marlon Brando, Gene Simmons, and Frank Sinatra. So the musical genre, obviously a point of contention on this podcast. I have recently said that, like, I think more musicals, I think there's room for more musicals these days. Mm -hmm. These days, you know what I'm saying? Whoa. So I think that this, this, the idea of what they're like, okay, well, you know, the musicals that we've put out in the past have, you know, people saw them, which I think is a, is the first sign of success for any of these. Like, I mean, yeah, La La Land was nominated for an Oscar. It won for a, 10 seconds and then it didn't win mm-hmm. I saw The Greatest Showman that movie stinks it's bad stinks, honestly stinks, I stinks. can't say how much people are like it's embarrassing how many people yeah. are like I love this movie guys it is not good so I think maybe maybe a turn of Guys and Dolls could work I mean look at the cast that they had in the 1955 version I mean like Marlon mm-hmm. Brando Frank Sinatra so yeah, why let's I don't know anything about this story I have no idea what it's about but I I'm just Thinking like, okay, if you take it seriously, then yeah, I think people. Will, I think if you build it, they will come. As, yeah, uh, guys, we can't stress it enough. Sometimes the news is interesting, and sometimes <laughs> we could talk about the Ghostbuster kids. The Ghostbuster kids. Yeah, they cast uh, the kid from Stranger Things and Mackenzie. Mackenzie, who's the girl from Captain Marvel? Oh, the McKenna Link- Grace. McKenna Grace. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not talk about them. Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> All right. Well, then that's all the news fit to print. So why don't we get into the recast of Equilibrium, a very strange movie that I am still kind of. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to take a strong, hard line here and say I liked it. OK, I'm up in the air. But okay. by the end of this podcast, I will make a decision. <laughs> I'm going to work really hard to convince you because I think this movie had potential. All right. Well, stick around, guys. This is the reboot <laughs> of Equilibrium. Why are you alive? I'm alive. I live to safeguard the continuity of this great society, to serve Libya. It's circular. You exist to continue your existence. What's the point? What's the point of your existence? To feel. Because you've never done it, you can never know it. But it's as vital as breath. And without it, without love, without anger, without sorrow, Equilibrium, directed by Kurt Wimmer, director of such movies as Ultraviolet and a movie called One Tough Bastard, which I haven't seen. I also haven't seen Ultraviolet, so mm-hmm. or did I see Ultraviolet? Or was that Aeon Flux? I don't know what I've seen. It was probably entirely forgettable. Stars Christian Bale. Christian Bale is in this movie as John Preston, Tay Diggs as Brant, Angus McFadden as DuPont, Emily Watson as Mary O'Brien, and William Finkter as Jurgen or Jurgen. We don't know. Jurgen. Okay, so th- I had never seen this movie. I had always thought that this was a precursor to The Matrix, and it is not. This Here, is a post Matrix movie. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like people tout it as this sort of like Matrix response or something that like its success was impossible because it came out around the time of The Matrix. And I don't think that's very fair to it. From what we read in the trivia, it didn't get a wide release in the U.S. because it had already made its money back Mm, in foreign sales. So 
Interestingly, the studio decided that instead of releasing it widely and risking that it wouldn't be well accepted here and that it would ruin what it was an otherwise very successful movie for them, they just sort of released it quietly, which is interesting because honestly, I think people would have liked this movie. Yeah, I think this movie, I think this, what's strange about this movie one is the cast. I guess because I we think of Christian Bale now as like the Academy Award uh, darling, like the, he's fishing for the the next statue, kind of. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Is doing is playing. This is pre Batman, pre machinist Christian Bale. Yeah. So I guess he is his, his choices. I guess are a little limited. Maybe it's sort of like, oh, I've always wanted to do an action movie. Maybe I'll never get a chance to do another action movie, so I'm going to do this one. Mm-hmm. And then like four years later, it's just like, oh, I'm fucking Batman now and Terminator and blah 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 blah. So I guess I can't put my finger on this movie because I don't think it's bad. Mm-hmm. It definitely makes some very strange choices in the setup of its world, like. Yeah. The gun martial arts, which the director actually developed himself in his backyard. Which honestly is the most straight white male thing I have yet ever there's, heard in there's my life. shades of Zack Snyderism in here, and it's I think that's so why I'm like, self-indulgent. Whoa. The gun cutter tricks the gun as a total weapon. Each fluid position representing a maximum kill zone, inflicting maximum damage on the maximum number of opponents while keeping the defender clear of the statistically traditional trajectories of return fire. But like watching this movie, I never got like, I never was like upset at the movie. I was never like Mm -mm. bored with the movie. It was just like really funny. Um, When you were texting me the list of these characters, Uh I I was like, well, okay, I'm going to take your word for it. I've never seen this. And so the movie starts and Sean Bean is immediately there. And I'm like, why didn't we do Sean Bean? And then I'm like, oh yeah, because he's Sean Bean and he's definitely about to die in maybe less than 10 minutes. And he did (laughs) like right away. The uh, Dominic Purcell is in the opening scene only he yeah. exists to die in the opening scene there was something where like dominic purcell was cast as, as john, john preston, preston mm-hmm. and then something happened because they wanted christian bale because mm-hmm. kurt wimmer had seen him in american psycho and was like this is the guy who's gonna play oh, yeah. preston grammaton cleric john preston <laughs> and grammaton. then for one reason or another he couldn't do it and so they reached out to Dominic Purcell and then Christian Bale became available and I guess wanted to do the movie. And so they said, let's see. uh." But I think Christian Bale, I mean, this is a testament to Christian Bale's acting prowess because he's really the reason that you keep watching. Like if this had this been in a lesser actor, I don't know if this would be as good. Much of the enjoyability and just our window into the world is completely how good the actors are. Honestly, if this movie was populated with actors like Tay Diggs, it mm-hmm. would be bad. Ooh, shots fired. Guys, Tay Diggs. <laughs> it's a little uncharacteristic. Tay um, Diggs. Well, let's get into the specific characters, namely John Preston played by Christian Bale. I wrote this down immediately. Or maybe I wrote this down somewhere halfway in the movie. John Preston is the anti-Patrick Bateman. Everything Christian Bale is doing is literally the exact opposite of Mm -hmm. Christian Bale in American Psycho. And there are so many moments where like in the beginning where they're just like, what do you feel? Like, do you feel anything? And he's just like tight. His face is just so like stern. He's just like, I feel nothing. And I wanted him to say the line from American Psycho where he's just like, I'm just not 
there. You know what I mean? <laughs> but as the movie goes on, all the mania that Christian Bale emotes mm-hmm. is for like the good of humanity as opposed to like the psychopath's bloodlust. Mm-hmm. But it's There's sort like of the same law and order to to this. Yeah, but it was the yeah. same energy that he kept giving, like the struggle to contain everything yeah. inside him. I just thought that was kind of funny. When he like breaks down and cries, you you're there. <laughs> you're there. Country Gravitol, I need to speak to this woman. You're too late, sir. The time lock is engaged. If we force the door now, the turbines will explode at street level. That was so strange. Well, it's after the, right, it's after her execution. So if the conceit is like you can't show extreme emotion in public and he has a fucking meltdown on the stairs. Yeah. That's something that doesn't make sense is that ultimately he there's so many times when he just – they should have been like, what's wrong with you? Right. And nobody seemed to question him. Right. But, I mean, everyone in this movie kind of – Because he's a, the highest level cleric in the tetragram yeah. of Fraun. Okay. So <laughs> none of those words make sense. And I've seen Transformers and Listen, that, li- that I, lexicon made more sense than this one. I had the same note in Willow. All of these words are so made up that it like <laughs> – like when he's talking to DuPont initially and he's using all of the words, I'm like, prosium? Grammaton cleric, Libria, Guncata. So like, bad. Anyways, okay. so I'm going to go first just because I'm the noob here and I'm going to try and suss out the remake of this movie. Okay. And I think what's the most important part of this movie is John Preston's sort of how he arcs from true believer, the best of the best to basically freedom fighter, right? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to pick an actor who I think people naturally root for. I think an actor who has shown great emotional complexity mm-hmm. uh, on both good and bad. And someone who, um, I guess someone who can, you know, take us through the perspective of this weird Orwellian mm-hmm. world, which, which was such a bother to me because it's like, is the whole planet like this? Or are we just in one city? Is this a country? Don't think about it that much. <sighs> okay. Um, <laughs> I ended up picking Richard Madden. From the bodyguard and, of course, mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. I think with Game of Thrones back, I'm just like every actor. I was just like, and I'll take this person from Game of Thrones and I was this person say, from Game of Thrones. I was going to say, don't judge me, but most of the names under each of these that I was considering, I was like, it's because the only thing I've yeah. watched in the past month is Game of Thrones. So that's what I thought because I think he, he could play that single father really well. Like he's mm-hmm. a single father in the bodyguard, um, loyal to country, uh, a man fixated on duty. And then here comes the moral complexity of what you're doing isn't necessarily right. But it's counter to law. You're a member of the council. It is not the will of the council. It is the will of father. And he is law. Without the logic of process, is it not just mayhem? What we have worked so hard to eradicate? So that's who I went with because I think a lot of people enjoy watching him and stuff. But he's Mm -hmm. – the bodyguard's really good. He hasn't um, fully broken out of, I think, the Game of Thrones fame – arena yeah but bodyguard was so incredible and he won the golden globe yeah 
for it. Um, And I think that's probably the best example that helps him to work for this because he is sort of the like PTSD he's dealing with in that show is so relevant to how he sort of keeps it all under wraps. Yeah. But he's like dying inside. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I think it would be really interesting to watch him do this. Um, Okay. So for my John Preston, I went with someone who I think honestly the best way to describe him is that he deserves this movie. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to say it. I picked Michael Fassbender. Oh, because here's the thing about Fassbender. He's a great actor. Yeah. Doesn't always make great choices. The snowman. Uh, <laughs> Assassin's Creed. Um, the last two X-Men movies. Oh, gosh. I think he's really amazing. And given what he's been doing, he's one of those sort of quote unquote prestige actors mm-hmm. who at this point in this career is not too good for this. And yes. so I'm asking him to do it. <laughs> I was going to say, like, is this because here's the thing. I think you and I are true believers for Michael Fassbender. Like, we want him to get back yeah. to that point of like, oh, fuck, Fassbender's Because when this he shit? came on the scene, we were like, this man is going places. Yeah. Yeah. And then he did it. <laughs> Do you know who kind of took his place a little bit? Who? Oscar Isaac. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, hmm. which both I wonder, an X-Men apocalypse. I was going to say, Trash. which probably helped him that he isn't like <laughs> v- visible. Um, but, but like, is this the vehicle to get him out of movie jail? Um, or is this just more penance? I don't know. I think it's penance that could help him, though, come back into like the true fans are going to see something like this. And be like, wow, he really made that. He really made that work. Because it really is all about John Preston's performance. Like, if that character is not giving us life, the movie is dead. That's Um, true. That's that's very true. So in that regard, it's like, yeah. Obviously, because I'm a a big Fassbender guy. I think he's great. You're a big Fassbender head? Bender head. Yeah, Bender. Benderaniac. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you want to call him. Um, (laughs) So I guess it's like, yeah. As long as this movie, this remake, quote unquote remake, is handled within the right hands, mm-hmm. yeah, I just don't want this to be another Assassin's Creed. Like, no one wants this to be another Assassin's Creed. No. So with, um, the, with the notion that we are both casting in our hearts to make this the best possible yeah. little movie that we can, yeah. It, honestly, this is like a little movie that could. And it's one of those things that's existing quietly under the surface. Mm-hmm. But if it had been bigger... I think like more people would be like, yeah, even, even if it was sort of seen as like a lower level mo- action movie at the time, I think be- I think it would be in people's minds. Yeah. What I also liked about this movie is that it at any point could have shaded towards like the tropes of YA and didn't like at yeah. every turn. It really kind of gave an opportunity to characterize John Preston as opposed because they keep being like, he's the best. He's the best. Yeah. Without saying why he's the best. Mm-hmm. And that to me is like very why, like very young YA. adult, like you're the chosen one. But it's like, <laughs> why? I really liked all the scenes with the kid who played oh. his son. Oh my gosh. And I his was son. such, I was so fucking mad at this little narc. Ooh. But like, again, it's like, there's some shades of YA in this movie that yeah. they, they, they definitely avoid in a lot of ways. So um, yeah, I don't know what that child is doing now, but his performance was chef's kiss superb. <laughs> when he comes in, he's and such he's a little like, prick. When he's like, you're, such a little prick. Your partner called, and I, I took the liberty of telling yeah. him you would be at equilibrium, yeah. replacing your dose. I was like, excuse me. Your new partner called. He says I'll pick you up at ten for the animal. I hope you don't mind. I took the liberty of telling him you would be at equilibrium, replacing your dose. 
I wish I, I wish child. I had the hubris to do something like that to my own father. I would have been. <laughs> I don't know what my dad would have done, but it definitely would have been fucking hilarious. Also, just the coldness of when he's like, I saw Tommy Russell crying. Should I report him? And he's like, without question. <laughs> I really liked this movie. Why are people talking about this movie? It's just like a weird it's, it's just super- like a weird fun movie, but I think yeah. it, I, I think people assume it's a lesser matrix, but it's not. Right. It has nothing to do with that concept at all. Yeah. So I think it lives in the shadow of it's the matrix. Their, it's their costumes. It's their costumes and the guns and the flipping. A little bit of slow-mo, not exactly bullet time, but it it I think it's just It's indescribable. <laughs> It really is. I'm at a loss of words for this movie. So why don't we move on to Brant, played by Tay Diggs. You're up. So why don't you just- The most bizarre casting choice. Just lay into it. Here's the thing. Tay Diggs is in this movie. Like, Tay Diggs co-stars in a movie with Christian Bale. Yes. An action movie. I think he's the weak link because I think his character- His character is the one that makes us scratch our heads the most because in a world where honestly everybody's doing a pretty good job of just convincing us that they're like – they have been taking this medicine or this substance and they're not experiencing emotion. He's the one who's sort of like – wildly smiling and doing things that I'm like, oh, you're so clearly experiencing a very specific emotion. No. That was my biggest complaint about the movie is that characters that are supposed to have no emotion, whose only job is to suss out those experiencing extreme emotion, mm-hmm. are experiencing the most emotion. Yeah. And like the bag, like DuPont, like every time they go to see DuPont, he's so upset. And I'm like, why aren't you arresting this guy? Yeah. And then it like really kind of gives away the ending that it's like, this is all of his whole thing. But Tay Diggs specifically, I think like if someone had just told him like, hey, just try and keep this in check a little bit because I think he could have given a much better performance. I just don't think anyone told him like, hey, your character is supposed to be a little more boxed in, be a little more robotic, a little more um, cold. Not yeah. wooden, but just cold, yeah. like indifferent. Because he's almost a little like swaggery. Like yeah. there's too much personality. I, yeah. And I think it's like the, the choice isn't just don't emote. The choice is be a fanatic. Yeah. Be a believer about this in in a, in a very icy way. And he he just runs really hot. Yeah. This man, this senior cleric has ceased the dose. He is feeling... He is the worm that has been eating at the core of our great society. And I, I have brought him for your justice. We can't really cut him as much slack because he's not the best cleric in the Tetragrammaton. You know what I'm saying? Like he's all, he's only the best, the best cleric in the Tetragrammaton. He's. And then what's it called? The Tetragrammaton. Okay, I think the way it works is that they're, as a unit, they're called the Grammaton Cleric. But the Tetragrammaton is like the whole unit or maybe just like the the building. <laughs> Do you think in the Tetragrammaton, the best cleric is like put up like the unemployee of the month? Oh, yeah. So it's just like There's Christian Bale's photo every month. Because he's the first Grammaton Cleric. <laughs> It just sounds so stupid. Um, Okay, so I made a bold choice Mm -hmm. for my brand, but I will explain it after I tell you. Sure. I think that's how this works. 
You it tell is. me the pick and then explain why. Okay, so for my brand, I cast Gwendolyn Christie. Mm. Okay. Game so, of Thrones. Yes. Star Wars. Star Wars. So I started really thinking about the role women play in this society because what's interesting about Mary O'Brien is that she is sort of like – I think we're meant to sort of be like women are more vulnerable in this society because we're seen as the more emotional mm. sex. And so – That's interesting. Sorry to cut you off. But that's interesting because I noted down. I was like why are there not enough women in this world? In the big crowd shots, there was only like two or three women at a time. Yeah. So now I'm like, was that a deliberate choice to be like a women are probably more at risk than men? Mm-hmm. I'm starting like, okay, so now, okay, the needles, <laughs> the needles moving towards the light column. And so what I thought would be interesting is to cast his new, because he kills his first partner because he's a sense offender. And I don't like how that's. So when he gets his second partner, I like the idea of keeping in mind that the character probably should to be the foil to him. This character definitely should be a fanatic. I like the idea of it being a woman who cuts the hard line of, yeah, I may be someone who you think is more vulnerable, but like I still grew. Because I think what's supposed to happen because Preston's son is training to be a cleric and he's like nine. Yes. So I think it's sort of like you grow up in this. And so I like the idea, unless there's some unwritten rule that they didn't tell us about that women aren't allowed to be Grammaton clerics. I don't know. But I like the idea of a woman sort of taking that hard line because it makes the dynamic of then him trying to twist it around and expose her later a little more interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it also just makes her a more fascinating, deep character to be like, oh, this woman like really believes this. Yeah. In a, in a world where I think we want to believe that women are are trying to fight and she specifically is not. Um, th- That's a really good pick. And I also like her physical presence is also something that's kind of mm-hmm. an interesting take because I always think that Brant is there to kind of pressure Preston as he goes yeah. through this like change. Every time he appears, it's like, hey, what you doing? Yeah. And Preston's always like, definitely not sense offending. <laughs> <laughs> something on your mind? Why'd you ask? The intuitive arts, Claire. It's my job to know what you're thinking. Feeling? <laughs> no, not me. I love that scene where, like, uh, Preston comes back to work and he sees the uniformity of everyone's desk and he just starts moving things. Mm-hmm. And Brant's like, what are you doing? He's just like, uh, I'm uh, rearranging my desk. Why? Efficiency. And I was just like, what a great Dwight Schrute excuse. <laughs> To get out of just just, um, yeah, just like admitting that you are freaking out that everyone's wearing the same exact thing, sitting in the same exact way. Just thought it was hilarious. So I really like that pick. I think she could play that like focused, true believer really well. I, I like what you said about the aspect of women in the society and having Brent p- being played by women. I didn't even consider that, but I, I I think that's really... Now you're like, wow, this movie is genius. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm starting <laughs> to see it from different aspects now. But I think that's a really interesting way to kind of underline this world a little bit. So I'm going to piggyback off of that and say that I cast a woman for the same exact reason. <laughs> but did you initially, did you just do it because you were like, I'm going to do it? No, this is... So I cast a woman as Brant as well. The reason I did it is because I... St- 
thought of this actress and I was like, you know, she's kind of has an interesting vibe to her. And the way that I sort of saw Brant, it's it sort of felt like it would be like riding along with like a snake, Mm. like someone who's just like constantly trying to like figure out a weakness. Like he keeps saying like his job is to find emotion in people like Mm -hmm. he's kind of scratching at this like all the time. So I wanted to pick an actress who I thought could be a little mysterious who's done a couple of act big action movies and has sort of maybe could play a more sinister streak to her because like it, in the movies she's in she's like kind of fun and 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 um uh what's the word i'm not chipper but kind of um hmm. wide-eyed a bit i picked palm clementif who was in who's in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Okay. She play she plays Mantis in, in Guardians 2 and in the Avengers. Um Okay. But I kind of saw her as like she's kind of funny and quirky, but I, I kind of was, was interested in seeing like, could she play this cold ass fucking cleric who is constantly like looking for weak points? You know what I mean? Like tr- constantly trying to see through people and their bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um so that's who I went with. Oh, interesting. She really does. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, she's done a lot of French movies. She's like, French. She really doesn't have many yeah. credits. And I think that works that she's French because there's nothing in this movie that tells us where the fuck we are on planet Earth. It's true. Because there's straight up like it's true. There's English of- actors and there's like a French actor and then like uh, British actors. I, so it's just it, really there's a lot of British actors who change their accents, which seems odd because I just don't know. I don't know why that was necessary. But yeah. um, yes. So that's what I went with. But your reasoning for having a woman in this role is a much better reason. So Thank I'm just going to say like, you know what? I That's what I'm also. Yeah. Cool. I thought of that too. Definitely don't cut that out and try to just make it seem like, you know. <laughs> Guys, he can make us sound however he wants. I am the voice of father. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, speaking of father. DuPont, played by Angus McFadden. Angus McFadden, was he in the Taken film? What do I know? Oh, no, he's in Braveheart. That's where I knew him. Oh, from. was he? Yeah. He's in Saw 3, which is my favorite Saw oh. movie. Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. Um, this character was probably my least favorite character because right off the bat, you're just kind of like, this guy is the whole reason that we're here. Like, this is the guy who's got to go. I've heard the most disturbing rumor, a rumor maintaining that one of us, one of the cleric has secretly taken it upon himself to cease his dose, that one of our elite number is actually feeling, feeling, sir. Are you playing with me, cleric? It's interesting because I do think there's a way to restructure his character to make him seem more uh, intimidating and to also just clarify things. Because I think something that they honestly could tell us a little more directly is that Father is a is a big character mm-hmm. and, and we, we are not allowed access to him. He's like big brother. Yes, but DuPont is allowed access to him. He is like the the actual person you can encounter, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, nobody speaks to father. Yeah. And that's fine. But I feel like they don't exactly spell that out. It's just sort of this like understood relationship 
but I almost think the the ending would play better if there was more of the conversation that they sort of have a few times that's like, when do I get to speak to father? And if DuPont was more like, no, 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 you don't get to. Yeah, maybe just because Christian Bale, is, we're talking about Christian Bale, but something that crossed my mind is like maybe more of a Batman Begins version with like Ra's mm-hmm. al Ghul is like this figurehead and you see him, but like no one talks to him. You don't get access to him and then you find out who's really in charge. Maybe it's like if we actually show – like I couldn't tell if I liked this moment or if this was a really dumb moment. But like we do see images of father. Like he's on screens yeah. and then he stands – in the beginning, he's like standing in a box. And, you and you're were like, like, why is, why he, is he in, in a box? box? And then when – because when Christian Bale – this is such a funny moment. When he's like storming the main building – He's shooting all the screens and then all the screens outside go black. And then yeah. the the father in the box you find out is a hologram. Yeah. And so part of me was just like that's kind of a cool idea. But I can't get over the fact that like you don't just shoot a screen to turn off a computer. <laughs> like like by I, Christian Bale shooting these screens visually tying into him destroying father everywhere else. I was just like no. Well, I I no. think it was supposed to be sort of a dumbed down moment of like this is where the, we broadcast father. It really was dumbed down. But instead of being like here's the here's the mainframe, yeah, that you destroy. Instead, it was just like here's screens. And also, they did lots of moments where he's supposed to be shooting and it's supposed to look cool, but he's literally just like crossing and uncrossing his arms, <laughs> so it doesn't look that cool. It's just happening over and over. Oh, you didn't you didn't like the gun kata? I liked the part where he like pistol whipped everybody. Oh, yeah. I thought that was cool. Yeah. But like everything else, I was like, what a weird, dumb thing that he invented. (laughs) Can't they just ask these people to learn martial arts? I guess, yeah. Anyway, so DuPont, the sort of voice, the Wizard of Oz, Mm -hmm. who's also the man behind the curtain. Um, I wanted to pick an actor who could play... That sort of statesman, like the mm-hmm. person who who you think is sort of the number six but is really the number one. But then by the end is someone who shows great emotion because at the end, right. DuPont, you realize – he says it. He's like, I feel things. That whole moment where he's like, I feel too. Can you kill me? I'm like, yeah, shoot this motherfucker. Like he's <laughs> I enslaving did like, people. I did like the reveal though of him like storming his office and it's this like – opulent Mm -hmm. place of like it's little things like that that i was like that's kind of interesting that like we're so used to now being in this world where everything is gray and anything that's not is dangerous to them that like walking into the large like the it's like the sistine chapel essentially yeah and being like oh like this whole thing is a sham yeah i'm life i live i I breathe i feel now that you know it can you really take it is it really worth the price? I pay it gladly. That's a good point. See, I, think I liked that. You were uncovering a lot of layers <laughs> to this movie that I just did not pay attention to. But I ended up picking David Tennant from Doctor mm. Who and January and yeah, Jessica yeah, yeah. Jones. I think he's an incredible actor. Obviously, yeah. he plays a great villain. Yep. And so I, I kind of liked the idea of thinking of you know my Preston versus my Dupont. That mm-hmm. that sort of face to face where. I don't know. This is something I didn't like about the movie. There's like four different double cross. There's like a quadruple cross in this movie. Everybody's every, – there's too many like reveals Yeah, it's ultimately. like – it's yeah. somehow like DuPont knew exactly what Preston was going to do all the time but then allows Preston to come into his office and just murder everybody. Like mm-hmm. that was something I was just like I think we only really needed two. Yeah. We got four, maybe five. 
So um, I think if we clean that up a bit, it, it would it would play a lot better. Obviously, that's a great choice. Thank you. Um, he's an incredible actor. Did you know he has a podcast? No. Yeah, he literally just interviews um, like people he's worked with. It's kind of amazing. <sighs> I wish we knew famous people. <laughs> but he has like like he his first episode was like Olivia Coleman. Oh, cool. Yeah, because though that's the level of famous person he knows. Okay, who'd you pick? Um, okay, so I picked for my DuPont Tobias Menzies, who you might know, who honestly has been in so much. He is in Outlander, The Terror, Game, <laughs> of, Thrones, Game of Thrones, The Night Manager. Guys, I've been watching a lot of oh, Game of Thrones. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, he plays um, Edmure Tully. Edmure Tully. Tully. I think he's a really underrated actor because I feel like he tends to play smaller parts, which is interesting because mm-hmm. he is going to be taking over the role of uh, Prince Philip on The Crown. But People are sleeping on Outlander. Here's what you got to know. He plays two different parts in Outlander. And one of them is this guy who we really like, who we feel like has been like robbed of a piece of his life. And then Mm -hmm. he plays this absolutely terrible, evil guy. Mm. And he does both so well where you like when you see him, you really don't know how to feel. Mm -hmm. And I think he's so phenomenal, but he just hasn't really like gotten anything I think that really sort of puts him out there yeah and so I was like why not make him like the big bad of a movie that sort of gives him a chance to maybe for us to think like you said that he's the number six and then we find out that he's the number one we're like oh also I think he's I think he would be a little better at um that final fight scene because that looked a little goofy yeah it really felt like cut Christian Bale, like fucking ninja Christian Bale versus like some like old, a dope. some some just like administrator yeah. who had no chance. I was thinking it's like do you remember Austin Powers 3 where like Michael Caine is like judo chopping all of Dr. Evil's henchmen and like this guy comes up to like the the last henchman, he's like, What are you doing? Look at you. You don't even have a name. What 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 do you have? You, there's no chance. You have no chance. That's how I sort of felt. It's like you just saw John Preston assassinate mm-hmm. five people without a weapon or like he steals someone else's sword right like he just completely is like oh this is mine like what are you gonna do yeah you have no chance what is kind of interesting about that is it's kind of cool because they're like gun cutting each other <laughs> and like they're like switching guns i think as yeah. they sort of like hit each other it just could have looked like the idea is yeah. Coolish. It just could have yeah. looked cooler. Um, so yeah, I mean, Game of Thrones. They're in Game of Thrones. They're in my that's, movie. That's the last Game of Thrones in my <laughs> movie. I promise. Okay, shall we move on to Mary O'Brien? Yes, played by Emily Watson, who I've always thought was just like a spooky looking lady. Like, she her face is so stunning in this movie. Like she is cutting shapes. She's in Punch Drunk Love, right? I don't know. I've never Punch, seen Punch, Punch Drunk, Drunk Love, and I think she's also in Red Dragon. Um, so I went with an actress who I, because ultimately you want someone who her passion is such that like the emotion she's feeling is not just, um, vulnerable. It's also dangerous Yeah, because she straight up is like trying to fight Christian Bale all Mm -hmm. the time. Like they get it alone in a room together and she's like, how can I kill him? You're going to burn it, aren't you? Eventually. However, you couldn't have accumulated all this by yourself. It'll all be sorted and examined. We'll discover who your confederates are. Cut! 
but also she's trying to express to him just how important and vital it is for him to feel because without feeling <laughs> breath is just a ticking yeah. clock. Yeah. Um, okay, so I picked Carmen Ijogo of the most recent season of True Detective, Fantastic Beasts. Oh, yeah. The Girlfriend Experience. It comes at night. She was so good in True Detective. The Purge Anarchy. <laughs> I'm bummed I didn't pick her. God damn it. But she, I think, just has this persona of like mm-hmm. when – because something I think that Emily Watson does well is that you feel such an empathy for her mm-hmm. that it's just like she is feeling – personified like you're just like this woman is feeling yeah and you kind of have to have that in actress and i think she absolutely can give us that same like there's just feeling emitting from her that is like irresistible to christian bale who, she's like who a radiator is, of emotion yeah who is like sort of on <laughs> she's the, the fence. emotional space theater <laughs> exactly she, he is on the fence and she needs to be the one that makes him like turn and be like oh yeah. I must go listen to who is who is this Ludwig von Beethoven? <laughs> the first symphony. Can't wait to check out the others. <laughs> have you guys heard Beethoven? <laughs> um, have you ever just put on classical music and just been like so touched? Because I haven't. Like I like classical music, but I've never just been like the gods <laughs> have come down to me. I've just been like, yeah, Maybe this is not. nice. This is really nice. Maybe not actual classical music but sometimes i cry listening to like movie soundtracks just on their own okay which one (laughs) last of the mohicans cut that out oh definitely last of the mohicans um i like that pick she was phenomenal in season three true detective and i i kind of weirdly became obsessed with her but um I'm 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 mad because I didn't think of her. I ended up picking another true detective wife. Whoa. And I don't know if she's going to hit the same mark as how you describe Mary O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Something about the way, so I'll tell you who I picked and okay. then I'll I'll sort of suss out why I picked her. I ended up picking uh Michelle Monaghan. Mhm. And I don't exactly know why in this moment I picked her out. This might admittedly just been first person I thought and I was just like, "Yes." But now let me try and walk through it. I think Michelle Moynihan, specifically in True Detective, less, more True Detective, less old school. You know what I mean? <laughs> less. Well, uh, obviously. Less. Forget how without her. Less Mission Impossible 3, 4, and 6. Like, the, just the kind of wife character. Mm. I think I liked the, the Mary that we meet when, like, when she first gets caught. Like, she has all this art. She has all this stuff. And then you slowly find out that she had a family that Partridge and her were in a relationship. Like, there is something that she has really lost. And I was just like, I think Michelle Moynihan could pull this off. But the other thing is, is that there is, like, an undeniable relationship between Preston and Mary that they – like, John sort of ends up falling in love with her. And I think – I think maybe because, like, Michelle Moynihan has played a lot of – well, I, I think this – again, this is true detective. Our whole cast are just, like, the best of HBO. Um, the idea that it's, like, you can just easily fall in love with her. Mm-hmm. And while she, while she still is, like, losing everything and she's trying to change John, like, he ends up, like, kind of trying to save her so many times because he – in a weird way, ends up needing her. And I mm-hmm. think that's why where my brain went with this pick. I don't understand. My execution set. Why are you here? Aren't you going to dose? What did you do? 
That's great. I I mean, I don't like her as much as my pick, obviously. Sure. But I think your your reasoning was smart. My reasoning was smart. My evidence to support it may be lacking. Maybe this is my bad. But that's what I picked. Maybe I've made a huge mistake. I think she I think she could play this part well. Like like in the interrogation scenes, I think that it would she would be really interesting. That mm-hmm. sort of back and forth of that like I am here to fucking live. What are yeah. you fucking here for? Ah, to serve the fucking Tetragrammacon. <laughs> to pray at the altar of the Tetra. He Mega serves he serves Vedic- Libria. Libria, yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to Jürgen. 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 Played by William Finkner. Uh, William Finkner, classic character actor, classic, you know, just guy who's in a lot of stuff. What did, what did we do a movie? We did a movie with him in it before. Did we? I mean, we haven't cast him. Maybe he was in something. Um, We haven't done Armageddon, Perfect Storm, Dark Knight. Nope, haven't done any of these. <laughs> Heat, haven't done. Independence Day, we did not do. No, maybe we haven't. I just feel like he's all always in stuff that we would have crossed paths with him. This is our first. Wow, all right. And here's the thing: he's not a huge character, but he's vital as the um, leader of the resistance, the underground. You know what pissed me off? This is this is going to tick me back to the. I do not like this movie. That the underground is literally underground. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, where could it be? Um, under you. Maybe literally two feet under you. You can see in my notes my like uh, my progression through this movie because at a certain point it just says, ah, I see. It's literally underground. Like instead of being like a resistance that's peppered throughout the society that has like certain like it's, it's not like they have certain meeting points or like secret alcoves to like kind of pass like coded messages. It's literally like a marketplace bazaar <laughs> under the main strip and that has so- glass in it so it can be lit up. And it's like, you can see through this. What's funny is that they they sort of pan up to the to where you can see that the feet moving like, mm-hmm. oh, like the world is just existing right above this place. And for a second, I was like, oh, that's kind of lovely that it's like. Oh, like these people, if you just look down, you could like see everything. And then I was like, nah, I think they're literally just trying to be like, get it? It's underground. It's underground. It's literally in the, in the fucking street um, underground. But that's okay. I'll forgive it. Um, <laughs> okay. So you're up. I wanted to pick someone who would sort of be a docent a little more than I think the version of Jurgen that we get. Because mm-hmm. he kind of just like appears – they're like, find the leader of the underground. And maybe I lost the thread of like how Preston actually finds him. Well, it's sort of on accident and that he's looking for like, well, he's starting to feel, but he's also looking for evidence of Partridge's um, link to the underground. Yeah. Because I think he's just thinking like, oh, how did he, how did he get involved with this? And so when he goes to that thing at the... Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the tetragram. I don't know. It, and the like harasses the guy, and he's like, "Well, here it yeah. is." Even if I could make it through, what guarantee is there it would accomplish anything? That anything would be different? We have a network that's larger than you could ever imagine. Instant word comes that father is dead. That the council is leaderless. Bombs that have already been planted will be set off at the prosium clinics in the factories around Libya. If we can succeed in disrupting the supply for even one day, one day. 
Our cause will be won by human nature itself. I just wish that there was more of someone who was able to show Preston the human the human cost of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like he never takes he so he takes him to the underground and is like, "Welcome to where we buy our goods and <laughs> our goods and services. <laughs> Welcome to where we barter for food." But I I sort of wish that it was like we are here be, like this is how we live. Like we can't join society. Like we are outcasts. Like mm-hmm. our lives are in danger. And you're the only one who can help us. Like, I wish we had more of that moment. I ended up picking HBO's finest, Jeffrey Wright of Westworld and Hunger Games. Oh. He kind of does a similar thing in Hunger Games. Like, when you find out that he's, like, the doctor. I forget how he's introduced, but he's, like, a doctor for the for the other districts that are, like, t- trying to topple the, the first district or whatever. <laughs> who cares? But um, I ended up picking him because I thought it would be – he, he he plays a lot of stoic characters and, yeah and i don't think he is necessarily that kind of guy mm-hmm. so i think it would be like oh like let's give him a chance to kind of really show the desperation of the the people that he that are under his care and that he's trying to organize something and so that's who i went with and i like it this one i'm saying yes i like this no yeah i think that's a really that's a really smart choice thank you um because i think he's gonna give you everything you need yeah for this <laughs> Like, um, that's well put. He's gonna. What do you need? He'll, he'll give you everything you need. Like he is the kind of person. Well, like in the sense that, like in game night, he appears and you're like, oh, oh. Yeah. and he's like a, and he's like the actor who is playing the actual like game. Like there, you're like seeing shades of him that you're like, oh, you're not Bern Arnold, the like robot in Westworld. Um. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. into it. I am switching off premium cable, heading mm. back to just regular cable. Okay. Um, Picking one of regular cable's finest. <laughs> because I thought this would be a great place to sort of stunt cast someone big. Yeah. Um, Who's a great actress. Ooh. Because once again, I was thinking I wanted the face of the resistance to be a woman just because it... It says everything I want that to say. Um, so I went with Carrie Russell. Oh, okay. From the Americans. Gonna yeah. Be in the new, the, the last, the new the last Star, Star Wars. Wars. Star Wars 9. I just don't know what to say about Carrie Russell. Like, I like Carrie Russell. I haven't seen enough of the Americans. Mm-hmm. I think the thing I really like about her for this is that maybe it's because she played a spy for years. Mm. But there's just something I like about her being – because one thing I like about the way the movie is constructed is that Jurgen is someone we see early on in the movie – because it's during father's speech that he's like the first one standing and applauding. Yeah. And so – we have like a view of him where we're like, oh, I mean, well, this guy is a face. We'll probably see him again. And then by the time you've forgotten he's in this movie, you're like, oh, this is where we get to see him again. Yeah. And so I like that sort of flip of us maybe getting hints along the way that we're like, wait, why is Carrie Russell important? And then the little bit we get of her can just be. Yeah. Hey, welcome to the resistance. Can you help? Cool. Yeah. Let's take over Libria. I, I think that like Carrie Russell is a great pick for this character. I think maybe my my struggle is with the character in general because the, the you meet him, he shows you like where everyone is, and then he's just like, okay, Preston, please help us. Like he's not as active until like the end, then they like rise up. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's not a coordinated strategy. So I think maybe that's the one I'm bumping on because mm. it's like we literally could put anyone in this position. So so I think the character has to change 
And I think yeah. once it once they become a little more like active and um more of a like leader, it's like they he's been leading these people for a long time. He just mm-hmm. needs that sort of Trojan horse. I think once you do that, then it's like, yeah, okay, Carrie Russell has the qualities of like a leader, the yeah. qualities of someone who can like sneak around and play the part. So mm-hmm. that now I'm saying like, okay, now I get this. Like it's not her, it's the character. So yeah. I think that's a great pick. Yeah. All right, let's wrap this up. Let's get to uh, old old Barry Pepper. What do you say? Here we go. Guys, where does Barry Pepper go? It's been weeks, months, possibly a year since we've picked the same character for oh. old B Peps. What do you say? This week? <laughs> same page? Uh, I don't know. Would you, would you put him? I uh, made him Seamus. Oh, damn it. Who's Seamus? I feel like every time you were like, let's do it, I'm like, we definitely didn't pick the same person. Who's Seamus? Seamus is the character played by Dominic Purcell that appears briefly uh, at the beginning. I like it as a little moment for B-Peps. Uh, he's a great resistance fighter. You've seen the Maze Runner. Sure. I mean, I, I actually haven't seen the ones he's in. So you, you've never you seen know. The Scorch? You would I haven't seen you The Scorch. You wouldn't survive a day in The Scorch. You're right. Um, I made him Partridge. I made him Sean Bean's character. Uh, to give him the Man. moment of like reading the poem and just you're stepping. What is it? You're stepping on my dreams. I'm trying to do a Sean Bean impression, but it's really hard. Do, what is it? Do what does he say? Don't don't you dream? Do you dream? Yeah, it's a it's a William Butler Yeats poem, which I, it was in the trivia. I just didn't look it up. But. I just want you to pursue this Sean Bean impression. I'll try. I'll I'll get it working for next time. I have only a couple little notes here, and then we'll do a final. We'll we'll do a judgment call. Okay. Wow, I, Judgment am, Day. Here we I go. Am I emotional enough in this movie to like it? Or do you, am I... Do you? Why are you alive? Why am I alive? Why do I like this movie? Um, I'll say this. I think, first of all, Tay Diggs' whole face falls off. Second was, of all... Yes, <laughs> yes. His face falling off was great because they hold on the shot. So he gets face sliced yes. pretty quick in the fight. And he like drops his, his sword. And so you're like, what happened? So his back is to the camera. You're watching DuPont look at him. Mm -hmm. And so you don't get to see his reaction at all. And it lingers for like a full on minute. It's a long time. And then the slight turn to Christian Bale and then like the sliding of the face. I was like, that was cool. His whole face falls off. It was kind of like. We know the rules of movie making and cinema is like, oh, this guy just died. Mm-hmm. We're going to like really linger on this death. But they went an extra step and we're just like, we're going to break these rules and we're just going to wait a lot longer. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to wait a significant amount of time. And we're not, we're not even like, we're not even calling it on it because we're like, what happened? What, what's, why, why isn't yeah. he, why is he incapacitated now? And why is everybody just sort of like watching this happen? Like you're just like, show us the face. Show us the face. And then it just. <sighs> okay. Um, I'll say this as a final note. I think as a proof of concept, this movie is kind of incredible. Yeah. And really just based on what he was capable of doing with what I'm assuming was a limited number of resources considering kind of when and how this movie was made. It's kind of odd that this director didn't go on to make like huge movies. Yeah, it is strange. Like this seem this movie seems like it had a very limited budget and what he was able to produce mm-hmm. on screen was pretty incredible. Yeah. So like why why didn't it, maybe he was just a jerk, but like yeah. I, like why didn't anyone give him like a significant budget, a script that that was like pretty action oriented, 
with like a with like good character in it. Mm-hmm. I think it I think it could have done great. Like I didn't see ultraviolet. I have no desire to see ultraviolet. It it is strange. So I'm wondering like maybe he's just a maybe he stinks in real life and no one wanted to yeah. work with him. Okay. Um, last thing. Well, one more thing before I ask you if we should remake this movie, but is the moral of this movie that war is back because it ends with the revolution and like cheering in the streets, but the city starts to burn. Well, I th- so like, what are we saying here? Well, I think like, what I think that? what they're trying to say is that war is an unfortunate consequence of of the freedom we have as human beings to to feel. Like, so this the, is a pro war movie. That's what you're trying to say. I'm gonna get up and leave right now. Okay. <laughs> I just thought it was like a weird way to end the movie. It's just like, hey, humanity's well, back, baby. Well, no, Let's the- blow shit up. <laughs> the discussion where they're like why like why would you want this like you want war is this what you want and um what is oh what does he say because he he mimics the line that sean bean says to him when he's sort of like was it worth it Mm -hmm. man what does he say to him heavy cost but i think they have that sort of discussion where it's like is it worth it like why don't we just continue living this way where we can live in peace and he's just like no it's not worth it because like we have no choice Mm. like we're actively oppressing people in an effort to to create a pseudo peace and no and so i think that's that it's it's something we have to come to terms with as the audience because we're like oh right like this is the consequence revolution will happen and people are going to die. Yeah. But that's what it takes for us to listen to Beethoven and look <sighs> at pictures and see the sunrise. Okay, you make a good point. Would you remake this movie? Um, honestly, no, because I want it to live in – I just want it to live in what yeah. it is in this like weird little capsule forever. Mm. I agree with you. I would not remake this movie because I think it's good as it is. <gasps> Final verdict, I enjoy this movie. I- <laughs> I'm so glad because honestly, as I was watching it, I was like, I'm just, I'm enjoying it for many reasons. But I was like, Brian might watch this and be like, why did we I think I enjoy it. Okay. Well, that's it for us this week, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please check out our episode next week. We have another fantastic movie in store for you. Please check out our past episodes. Tell your friends about us. Leave us a comment. Hit us up online. Uh, We want to hear from you. We're trying to spread the word about this podcast because people love movies. People like talking about movies. Uh, Kenna, where can people find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just stop by and leave us a rating or review. It's the best way to help us out. You can also find us on Kofi, pronounced like coffee, I, think, I don't really know what I'm saying, where you can go make a very small donation to help us make this amazing podcast. That link is in our description and all over Twitter. And speaking of Twitter, you can find us on social media at The Boot Podcast on Twitter and at Boot Podcast on Instagram. You can find us separately because Brian is the first Grammaton cleric of the Tetragrammaton in Libria. He takes his prosium every day at Flynn B. And I'm at Kenna Trent. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Watch out for those sense offenders.
to me that at least some of these animals ought to be tested for disease. There's an epidemic in the nethers as best we know about it. 